Hey, it's Painter Sharpless with the Locked On Ole Miss podcast. Today on the show, we discuss Lane Kiffin and Co. As I mentioned earlier in the week, already using the transfer market to their advantage, picking up a tight end. We'll talk about Kiffin, who rounded out some more of his staff, plus a flash forward to Ole Miss's upcoming schedule. Lighthearted podcast today. Let's dive in. But first, a word from the folks who make this podcast possible. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's going on? The Locked On Ole Miss Podcast. One week in, I'm enjoying it. Hopefully you can say the same. Things are heating up, signing day. We talked about that. We talked about Lane Kiffin, how this stuff, this stuff's getting going. It's going to be great. I promise. We are just scratching the surface here, just as Lane Kiffin and co. are scratching the uh, the surface in Oxford, Mississippi. <laughs> I thought I was going to be smooth there. And look, one of the things that I mentioned the other day, Lane Kiffin, not reaching, not forcing the issue. 18 letters of intent and the news earlier today, Friday, actually, a big offseason roster move as uh, Lane Kiffin discussed roster management a lot on National Signing Day, likening it to some extent to what you deal with in the NFL. He's right when uh, things have gotten, I think, more challenging for coaches between the transfer portal and the ongoing conversation about Players having more power, player empowerment, giving those student-athletes the opportunity to pursue what's best for them like coaches do for themselves when they move jobs, when they move programs, when they get paid and get promotions. If it's not working out, if a student's unhappy, maybe they want more playing time, maybe it's personal. It's complex, but I digress. A big off-season roster move for Lane Kiffin, 6'5", 240-pound, Tight end coming to town, baby. The main thing is here, I'm stalling because I'm sure that it's it's very possible that I'm going to to butcher the pronunciation here. Tight end Kenny Yabua. Kenny Yabua, I believe. And and I'm sure someone will correct me, and I'm okay with that. You are more than uh, welcome to give me a hard time for butchering a pronunciation. Kenny Yaboa, a big transfer grab, though, as uh, Ole Miss fills out a position that they'll need, he'll be able to play right away. He was going to transfer from Temple to Baylor. Had a productive season at Temple, catching 19 passes for 233 yards, five touchdowns. And know what? I have to imagine he's going to get a lot more targets in Jeff Lebby's offensive system. All right, not not to also forget here, we don't want to forget 
I mentioned the the running back success Coach Kiffin has had, most notably people uh, pointing to Singletary. But look, also, don't forget, Kiffin coached a Mackey Award winner already and also at Florida Atlantic. I think that's got a – you have to imagine that has a – has a nice selling ring to it if you're a, if you're a young player and, and you've, you honestly 19 passes for 233 yards it seems like uh, an area in which you could uh, you could quarrel and now I'm not going to pretend I, I know what's going on at Temple and their offensive system nor am I going to pretend like I, I knew what was the strength of that team but if you've got a large pass catching option with good hands, as we've seen in the NFL especially, it really creates some big mismatches. And Kiffin has been able to scheme up, in combination with talented players, a uh, a nice little uh, combo punch there. You know, his, uh, his scheme, Harrison Bryant doing some dirty work, 65 catches, 1,004 yards, 7 touchdowns. Yeah, you'll take that. So this is what the tight end room looks like now. Kenny Yeboa, Chase Rogers, Alex Faniel, Jonathan Hess, Devon Penniman, and Casey Kelly. Nick Hayes, big group. Got a big group at the tight end spot at a position that, when used properly, it's not used all the time in the college game. People joke about Iowa using it because they put out a couple first-rounders, but it does give you a significant mismatch if you've got an athletic guy. 6'5", 240, I think so. Already an example of why it was good that they did not force their hand. They gave themselves some wiggle room. Didn't reach, as Kiffin put it. And you know what? If they don't fill up this entire class, then they can backload in different years. We'll call that a win for Kiffin off the jump. More housekeeping news, this time involving support staff Ole Miss announcing just a few hours ago Lane Kiffin filling eight analyst spots, one of which Monty Kiffin. Maybe you've heard of him. Had a nice career as a coach himself. Among seven others, I'm not going to spend too much time here, but to give you a rundown of what you're dealing with, I think I've been high on what Kiffin's done with his staff. It's different. It's got guys that a lot of you have heard of because they've either been head coaches or have worked with some other notable head coaches at some very respectable programs, but it's a different kind of staff. And I'm fascinated to see what the defense will look like, how they will strategize. I talked some about this on Thursday's pod between Partridge and Durkin. We got into some of Durkin's legacy and that's going to be an ongoing conversation and a fascinating one that we will dive more into. Also, what do you do at quarterback? You're not going to, out-athleticize Alabama and LSU, not just to Alabama, LSU, Georgia, and Florida, but like Auburn, no. Tennessee, no. Tennessee, top 10, uh, top 10 recruiting class, good for seventh in the conference. Top 10 nationally, good for seventh in the conference. So you got to be innovative. And they're at a bit of a disadvantage right now because, well, their quarterback, who they expect to be their quarterback, is practicing baseball, and that's a commitment he made, and Lane Kiffin publicly saying he respects and is going to honor that, and I think that's the right move, but it's not necessarily one that I'm sure Lane Kiffin loves. In addition to those eight staffers, John Miller rejoining 
the Rebels as Associate Athletics Director for Football Operations. Additionally, former NFL veteran, first-round pick, Devin Bush Sr., named Director of Recruiting for Football. It's pretty appealing. A guy who knows the program well and a guy who knows the NFL well. It's a good pitch. Makes sense. If he's got some charisma about him, and he can say, yeah, uh, this coaching staff, innovative. They've sent their own share of players to the NFL. I know a little something about that. Bush just finished his fourth season on staff at Michigan as an analyst. Before then, he was the head football coach in Florida at Charles W. Flanagan High School, where he led them to district and regional championships during his three seasons, including a 2015 state championship. Bush played safety at Florida State. There he helped them win their first national championship in 1993. They won three straight conference championships. Oh, the ACC. Bush was also a first-round pick. So you like that, right? You're cool with young players, the guy heading up your recruiting efforts, something I think that is going to be exciting and fun to watch, and how Ole Miss who will be able to, I think, with the personality and staff that they have, and honestly, how cool of a place Oxford is. Kind of slurred those words together. As cool as a place like Oxford, it's going to be a draw for people. And and very recently, we've seen success is extremely viable there. There's going to have to be, especially in the beginning, though, a balance of trying to nab a few guys who are exceedingly talented. You're going to have to make some steals. And then you're going to have to do some really good talent evaluation and find guys that either fit what it is you do perfectly, even if they're not viewed as a wonderful athlete or the best prospect out there, or they're a late bloomer, or the recruiting folks, the experts, if you will, the analysts just got it wrong. That happens sometimes too. It's going to be fascinating to see how they devise their recruiting strategy. It's going to be good. I can tell you that it's going to be successful. Lane Kiffin's going to have no problem recruiting he's not ever had that problem and he's been fantastic at targeting transfers something to continue to watch out for on the heels of the news we discussed earlier all righty plowing ahead here let's take a look at Ole Miss's schedule April 18th that's a Saturday folks the Grove Bowl meh it'll actually be fun since it's the first year with a new coach attendance should be good get a look at this offense it'll be uh You know, these things are often a waste of time in many ways, but it is exciting when you have a new coach and a new staff come in. You'll get to see a bit of what it is the team will look like. But you got to remember, players are still coming in. This is a glorified scrimmage. It is an opportunity to make a little money, to get the players an opportunity in front of a crowd before the season, see what happens when the players have people watching them. And also, I think if you're wise, like Dan Mullen was smart about it, his first year at Florida, he let it be offensive-centric. Like, that school was starving for some offense at the time, and it's more fun to watch. So you might as well, if it's a glorified scrimmage and you're not that worried about the result other than getting young players some reps in front of a crowd, really everyone, especially because, like, the coaches all to almost an annoying extent say, but they all do this when they come in. We're giving everybody a fresh slate. Well, if you're going to give everyone a fresh slate, how do they perform in front of a crowd? I think... Some of that is overblown simply because you'll have guys returning that have had no problems playing in front of a crowd. But the point still stands, Painter. If I'm Lane Kiffin, I'm I'm copying Dan Mullen to some extent here, letting this be exciting offensively. Might be that way anyway. 
without the defense's permission or not. However, I think the goal here is to to create some excitement in an otherwise tough year where that's going to be an uphill battle. And that leads me to this, folks, the 2020 schedule. Let's run it down. Baylor, Southeast Missouri, Auburn, LSU. Not an easy first month. Alabama, Vanderbilt, Florida, Yukon. Doesn't get a lot better. At least, uh, ah, we'll, we'll just, I'll plow ahead here. Texas A&M in November alongside Arkansas, Georgia Southern, and you guessed it, Mississippi State. Baylor is an opportunity because they're going to also have an entirely new coaching staff. And I think Matt Rule got out of there knowing that the talent was about to drop off. I like Ole Miss in this opener. It's a little far out, but I do think there's a good chance that Ole Miss is not going to be at a huge disadvantage in terms of talent. In fact, I'd say their talent will be superior. And then just like Baylor, an entire new group of folks coming in, trying to follow up what Matt Rule just did. Now he's with Carolina in the NFL. Southeast Missouri, boring. But first home game of Lane Kiffin's tenure, so it'll be an exciting first quarter. The Grove, it'll be popping, baby. Be more interested in having fun that day than watching the game. Nonetheless, Auburn comes to town after Auburn ran all up and down the field against Ole Miss. The Tigers could not get points, and Ole Miss still had a chance to win that game in Auburn against a then-top-10 Tigers team. You talk about an opportunity to make a splash. Like The talent's going to be too good for Auburn. It doesn't happen, but hey. Gus Malzahn, the Tigers, especially if it's an early game. Who knows? I, I think that one could be exciting. LSU and Baton Rouge, y'all. Even without Burrow, without Joe Brady, without those wide receivers, they recruit at an exceedingly high level, and it only got better with the success they had this year, albeit that won't matter too much. But some of those freshmen will find the field. They're losing in Baton Rouge, and y'all know it. Alabama's next. This, a lot will be made of this matchup because Lane's coming back. That's not totally true. The game is in Oxford, but first time the old master protege and the master's going to win. Nick Saban has not lost to a former assistant yet, and that is not going to change on October 3rd, but that's not on Lane. The, uh, the Crimson Tide have been recruiting at an elite level for 12 years, and Lane Kiffin just had a shortened signing period in which he was able to ink 18 signatures. So it's fair to say that between the general history Alabama's had and the last 12 years of the greatest dynasty of all time, it ain't going to happen. At Vanderbilt, boom, it's in Nashville, but I like this game. Derek Mason, what's going on there? Kind of interesting. I don't actually know if Vanderbilt can do much better, and I like Mason. He seems to be a good fit, but at the same time, like, It does feel a little bit disappointing on the heels of what it was James Franklin did there. But nonetheless, Ole Miss gets another win here. Baylor, Southeast Missouri, at Vanderbilt. Auburn, LSU, Alabama. Three and three. Midway through October. Versus Florida. This one in Oxford as well. It uh, really does feel like Florida should now in year three under Dan Mullen. Kyle Trask will have had most of a season as the starter in the entire offseason. 
with Georgia shuffling their offensive philosophy and some of the changes that have been made to the coaching staff, losing Jake Fromm, a lot of people as the offseason moves along will start projecting Florida to finally unseat Georgia and there will be a different SEC East representative for the first time in a few years. Not sure if I'm ready to go there yet, but that is going to be the big offseason topic in that division. Versus UConn at the end of October. Chalk it up as a dub, ladies and gentlemen. Would be tough if you lost this one. Real bad. But they're not going to. To be honest, I know nothing about UConn's program. But let me just say, if they beat Ole Miss, things are not going well in year one. I am looking forward, actually, to previewing that game when the season gets closer. Because, like I said... I'm not going to lie. I don't know anything about that team, but there's a reason I don't know anything about that team. At Texas A&M, this to me feels like a great opportunity. I think this and the Auburn game are your two most likely opportunities to steal one. At least you get Auburn in Oxford. This one will be in College Station and a lot like Dan Mullen. This feels like a big year for Jimbo. Year three Unlike Mullen, he has yet to have the success Mullen has had thus far. Although, I would say doing it in the Western Division, notably more difficult. I think this is a loss, but football teams ebb and flow. Texas A&M was seemingly a better team at the beginning of the year. I think they got discouraged as the 2019 season moved along. Does that happen again? Do they meet expectations and are feeling confident? Playing great football, getting better each week as the year moves along? Finally find a quarterback who feels comfortable. Is it going to be Kellen Mond again? He's the most experienced quarterback in the league. Has Jimbo, uh, Jimbo got any other options? How high is his ceiling? A lot of questions for AM. This is a big, big year for Jimbo Fisher, and I think ultimately this is one, even if Texas AM does have a third straight disappointing season with Fisher. And I think that's a little unfair. The first season had some real highs. I think last season, AM fans got a little bit ahead of their, themselves, especially considering when you look at what they lost, which Fisher couldn't control going from year one to year two. It was just what he got handed. But they've been recruiting at a top five level nationally. They ought to be in a position where they can compete in the Western Conference and get to 10 wins. Certainly nine. Losing to Ole Miss would, I think, be a sign that things did not go the way Jimbo Fisher expected in, in year two or that, then year three. Because last year, as I mentioned, disappointing. This year is supposed to be the year that they look like a contender. And while I think that ultimately this one is going to go to Texas A&M because of the things I just mentioned, because of their edge, a couple of recruiting cycles, because Kellen Mond is getting more experience, because it is in College Station, Regardless of however they're playing, if you can get a, a road win against it, what will almost certainly be a top 25 team, depending on how things are going next season, like that would be magnificent. And one of those selling points I talked about earlier this week on the pod that would make you think, all right, this is going in the right direction. He can win. He can beat teams with a little less talent or significantly less talent. And he can do it on the road. He got his guys ready this is a big one. I'm excited about this game. At Arkansas, another win here. This would, to me, be devastating to lose. Arkansas is in a lot, a lot of turmoil right now. 
They are bad. Their roster is bad. Arkansas fans are mad about Chad Morris. Woo! I'm here to tell you, whatever you think of Chad Morris, he was not your biggest problem, Arkansas fans. This one in Fayetteville, but I like Ole Miss already. I can tell you Arkansas has not won a conference game in the last two seasons. That will be their goal this year, just win a conference game. They'll say bowl game, but just win a conference game honestly needs to be their goal. And it's not going to be against Ole Miss. Versus Georgia Southern. You know, this is a tricky one. Can't overlook Georgia Southern as cliche as it would sound. Versus Georgia Southern on November 21st in Oxford, of course. Ultimately, you should like the Rebels, but because of the way things have been going, I don't think you can just write this one off, especially with Mississippi State looming. Like That will be a good week for Lane Kiffin and his coaching staff to test themselves. How well can they get these guys prepared? Lane Kiffin with Nick Saban. One of the things he is best at is getting the most out of his players and them playing not to the level of their competition, but to the standard he sets. And then the big one, ladies and gentlemen, you guessed it, in Oxford, Mississippi, after perhaps one of the wildest, wackiest, wackiest of endings a few months ago, November 26th, a Thursday night game, a Thursday night game, ladies and gentlemen. I love it. I love it. I love it. Do y'all like that? Do y'all like that it's been played on Thursdays? At Paint Sharpless, let me know. This is going to be a crazy buildup. There are some games just by nature of who Lane Kiffin is that will always be circled, like the Alabama game is one. I wouldn't be surprised to see him and Mullen getting sort of a a friendly back and forth. They they both like to, to talk to the media, you know? Oh, but then this, the wacky one, with all the nastiness of this bad, bad boy rivalry, the dogs. Mississippi State traveling to Oxford. What do y'all think happens? Mike Leach, Lane Kiffin, they seem to like one another. They seem to be enjoying being weird. And if the Egg Bowl can be anything, and I mean anything, it's going to be weird. That's going to wrap it up for today's show. On a couple of different topics, a little rambling. Nonetheless, I had fun, and uh, I've got a treat for you next week. I think maybe two, actually. However, it is until then, ladies and gentlemen, that I'll have to leave it there. Tease you just a bit heading into the weekend. Have a good one. Stay safe. If you drink, don't drive, but do have a good time. Monday, we'll get back into it. Week two of Loon coming up. At Paint Sharpless is how you can find me. Until then, be easy.